Old school. It's gonna be stolen, I think, by the doctor. Yes, he's got it. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. Stolen by Byrne on the captain DJ. Yeah! Buckle up for Kobe Bryant. New era. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry, way down top. Back! It's all basketball. A spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Lace him up. It's time for 1010XL's Open Gym. Leading the break, here's R.J. Saunders. It is All-Star Weekend, All-Star Sunday here in the NBA. We have a show, Open Gym. R.J. Saunders here with you alongside Casey Dobson. You can follow him on Twitter at CD underscore player 84. Casey, how are you? I'm doing re- uh, really well, uh, fighting a little something something in here. But uh, other oh, than that, I'm doing great, man. Absolutely, absolutely. In honor of All-Star Weekend, really quick, Casey, give me your favorite All-Star moment. It could be from the dunk contest. It could be from the three-point shootout. It could be from the actual game. Do you have a favorite moment? I do. So I was thinking about this. All right, so are you familiar with a movie? You may be too young. Are you familiar with a movie called uh, – it's about the the babies that uh, that are talking. Uh, I'm drawing a blank now. It's with John Travolta. It's a little bit older movie. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the the young girl she's standing in front of the TV and she's watching the basketball players dunk. And the whole reason that she's watching is because she thinks that they can fly. Well, I'm that kid. Okay, I love watching. The dunks in the dunk contest. Unfortunately, right. uh, I didn't watch it last night, but I do know that the uh, the Magic were represented very well. Absolutely. But yeah, the dunk contest, because I started thinking about it. Brother, I can't even jump to a conclusion, okay? So I'm not getting up there. <laughs> All right, so I got to probably ride somebody's back right. and hope that I can make that. So yeah, I like watching the dunks. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of the dunk contest, Mac McClung of the G League's Osceola Magic defended his dunk contest title. We also had a defending champion defend his three-point contest title in Damian Lillard. The last player to successfully go back-to-back in the three-point contest, Jason Capono. Do you guys remember that name from the Toronto Raptors? Jason Capono, the last guy to do so. Team Indiana won the skills competition on Saturday night, and Team Jalen Rose would win the rookie sophomore challenge in Indiana's own Benedict Matherin winning the MVP. So Indiana showing up and showing out as the host city during All-Star Week. And the All-Star Game, the 73rd All-Star Game, will be tonight at 8 p.m. And that's really what I want to talk about uh, in our opening segment here. Uh, I've been watching the All-Star Weekend and – has it lost its luster a little bit to you guys? I mean, I'm not trying to be the get-off-my-lawn guy because, to be honest with you, I'm born in 95, and 95 to present day, this is this is honestly my era. And I don't want to do the whole NBA is about moments thing. We We did that last week. However, it used to feel that once upon a time, the NBA All-Star game was an opportunity for players to send a message to one another. And there used to be storylines galore during the All-Star weekend, and they just, at least to me, they don't feel as if they're there anymore. And Jamal Crawford has repeatedly said, as we've gotten closer to the All-Star game, this line of there's a game within the game. And in the All-Star game, at least in All-Star games past, it looked to to be that the game within the game, whether it was whether it was trash talking, whether it was I want to show that I'm the superior talent, I'm the superior athlete. The last bastion of All Star games in which we've had, I mean, I've seen glorified layup lines. We had All Star game where both teams almost eclipsed 200 points. I'll ask this because I asked it last week with the 70 point affair: Is that the kind of game? that you want to see? Do you want to see the glorified layup lines? Do you want to see teams almost eclipsing 200 to the average fan and to the diehard? Is that what you want to see? I remember in 2001, I believe that's the all-star game that was in D.C., the rookie sophomore challenge, Darius Miles is one of the headliners in that challenge. 
and he's being interviewed by Craig Sager, and I believe he was genuine when he said this. He asked, he asked him, you know, how do you feel Craig Sager is about the rookie sophomore challenge? How do you feel the first half went? And Darius Miles is saying, listen, man, we're doing this for the kids, and we want to put smiles on their faces, and that's the most important thing. And all that being true, I do believe that today's fan, with the way that we're able to watch the game, the way that we're able to view the game, with analytics being as prevalent as it is now, they're more intelligent. They're more savvy. They don't just want to see the dunks. And in the past, they really didn't want to only see a layup show or a dunk contest. They wanted to see Bird versus Magic in the All-Star game. Or if it's a battle of two guards, Magic versus Isaiah. When Shaq was here in Orlando, Shaq against Akeem. Jordan showing why he's a superior player if the game is getting close in the fourth quarter. It just doesn't feel that way anymore. I remember there used to be a point in time where I would play, you know, on PlayStation or Xbox, and you would get that new NBA Live game, or if you were an NBA 2K guy, and you would trade all your favorite players to two particular teams, and you and your friend are are playing a serious game to try to see who has the better stars on which team. And a few years ago, uh, Kobe Bryant, was on the Knuckleheads podcast with Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles, and he spoke about the substratum as to the essence of what the NBA All-Star Game was all about. I think the All-Star Game in general needs a little revamping because it used to be competitive. Yeah. It used to be competitive, and like you know, fans want to see the best pickup game in the world. Yeah. Like, that's what this is. They don't yeah. want to see you running up and down and dunking and doing all this crazy like. They want to see the what happens when you get this collection of best basketball players on the planet and they play and they go head up against each other. Man. Yeah. I mean, you guys play harder at a pickup game in UCLA. For real. Yeah, and ain't do. billions of people watching. For real. Definitely do. You know what I'm saying? Definitely do. They uh, got to turn the it All-Star up. game needs a little needs a little changing. Um, I always love competing in them. Um, I didn't lose many of them. Remember when I spoke about storylines? And look what Kobe says right there. To give a quick Kobe story. The year's 1998. All-Star Games in New York. The big storyline here is heir versus heir apparent. Michael Jordan is setting the league on fire. He took his year and a half off. He's won two championships in a row. He's going for a third. And here comes this kid that is walking, talking, and moving like Michael Jordan. And the NBA had tried for years to try to put a stamp on – Michael Jordan, and who would be the next Michael Jordan. We heard names like Grant Hill, Harold Miner, Michael Finley because of the Chicago connection that he had with Michael Jordan. But there was something eerily similar between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And on the biggest stage in the world, we're going to be able to see the young gun versus who we all argue is the greatest player of all time. That was a great storyline there. And, of course, Michael Jordan showed why he was a superior player when the game got close. We don't, we don't see that anymore. 2009, let me fast forward you there. Everybody is assuming that it's going to be the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. LeBron, Kobe. This is what we want to see in the All-Star game. If the game gets close, we want to see LeBron versus Kobe. This is going to be the prelude to what we assume is going to be the NBA Finals. Unfortunately, Cleveland didn't make it to the NBA Finals that year, would be the Orlando Magic, but that felt that that was the storyline that was being pushed by the media, by NBA fans, and then you also had a a game within the game on that, Shaq and Kobe back together for one final All-Star game. Phil Jackson's the head coach. Don't feel that anymore. Larry Bird, remember that All-Star game where Larry Bird is in the three-point shootout and he's saying, which one of you guys are going to come in second place? I'm going to win, but I'm just trying to figure out who's going to come in second place. Supreme confidence, supreme talent by Larry Bird. 2003 in Atlanta, Michael Jordan, the old gunslinger, back for one last fight. And he hits that fadeaway jumper over Sean Marion in overtime to give him the lead. And I'll get to that story later 
in the show because there's a funny story about Michael Jordan hitting that fadeaway jumper and then Kobe hitting two free throws for it to go in the double OT where the West would win um, and Kevin Garnett would get the MVP in that game. But didn't that feel like a great storyline and the old the old man back for one more go? Are guys nowadays afraid to get embarrassed? Quickly before we go to break, I want to I want to play you this because I don't think that a lot of people knew about this in 1963. Here's Bill Russell talking about his game within the game when it came to the All-Star game. The MVP at the 63 All-Star game in Los Angeles. That was one of the great experiences for me. How come? I invited my father to come to the All-Star game. And the night before, Chick Hurd was saying that Los Angeles is the basketball cap of the world. And so Red, in his own diplomatic way, says, it'll never be the center of the world until you win a championship. And you guys ain't won nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He's a real diplomat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I laughed so hard. And so on the way home to dinner, my father said, yeah, they ought to shut up about that. I said, what are you talking about? He says, I hope you guys kick their asses. I said, you feel that way? He said, yeah. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll win the game tomorrow. I'll make sure of that. And I'll get the MVP. And he said, you could do that? I said, yeah. And uh, I did it. Russell takes right and goes to the left. Swings toward the lane. Swings back in on Chamberlain. The hook is good. After the game, they gave me the trophy for the MVP, which I promised my father I would do. As far as trophies are concerned, that was the highlight of my career. Really? Yeah, because I could keep my words to my father. I don't hear too many stories like that, at least in the last few All-Star games. Bro, I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little teared up in here. Okay? Right. Because I'm a dad. Right. And, man, just that's, right. I, that's, that's good, man. That's, that's One of impactful. the greatest careers in NBA history in Bill Russell. But to be able to say that was the game within the game for me. I didn't just win the All-Star game to show I was a superior player. And at that time, Bill Russell was. But I'm also there because I made a promise to my dad that not only we would win, but I would win the NBA MVP. What, what are the storylines in the All-Star game in the last few years? What's the storyline today? Are guys afraid to get embarrassed? Are guys afraid to not become friends with one another if they outplay a guy who they work out with in the summer? Remember the Kobe clip we just played earlier where he says you guys go harder at a pickup game at UCLA? They really do. We see the we see the videos on Ball is Life. Jamal Crawford has his crossover league in Seattle. The Drew League's becoming one of the biggest leagues in the entire country, and it takes place in Los Angeles. You also have those Rucker Park games that we see every so often. Rico Hines in UCLA has his invitation-only basketball runs. And it seems like the NBA superstars show why they are the superstars. Now, one guy did get embarrassed in Denzel Valentine one year by Frank Nitty, but we don't bring that up because I don't know where Denzel Valentine is now. But he's not in the NBA, not playing for the Chicago Bulls anymore. But he did get embarrassed by Frank Nitty. But we don't see, we don't see that anymore. How would you make the All-Star game better? Am I crazy by saying it's lost this luster? If so, hit us up on the text line, 641-1010. And also, give us your favorite NBA All-Star moment. But when we return, we're going to talk to Jake Chapman. He's the radio play-by-play voice for the Orlando Magic. The Magic are looking to make a push to get into the playoffs and not have to get there via the play-in game. And their second half of the schedule doesn't look all that tough, at least to me. Am I crazy about that? Jake Chapman will talk all that and more as the Open Gym continues on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Superman is in the building. Yes, he is. Clark Kent is winning the phone booth and he comes out and Superman has came to the building. He's got the cape moving. He's got it flapping. Oh, my gosh. You win. You win, young fella. You win, Superman. Da-da-da! Da-da-da-da-da! Kill delivering two... Oh. 
it back. Trot blocked out of five. Brady for two. Tracy McGrady going for it. with the lob to Hardaway. Penny Hardaway, what a star he is going to be. Uh, he has it all. It's a complete package, and he really enjoys playing defense. It's all hoops. Open gym on 1010XL. It's an NBA All-Star edition of the Open Gym here on a Sunday, a rainy Sunday here in Florida, but we have a guy who will be raining gems in the gym when it comes to the Orlando Magic. On the All-Pro Roofing phone line, we're joined by the radio play-by-play voice for the Magic and Jake Chapman. You'll be hearing his voice on the Superstation throughout the second half of the year as we are going to be simulcasting a few of the games here in Jacksonville. You can follow him on Twitter at JakeChapmanOM. Jake, thanks for a couple minutes. Hey, no problem. How you guys doing? Good, good, good. Enjoying this All-Star Sunday. And in honor of All-Star Sunday, before we get to this year's team, I just wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite Orlando Magic All-Star Weekend moment? Oh, a favorite Magic All-Star Weekend moment. That's a good one. I'll go back probably to when I was a kid and just Penny and Shaq and specifically those jerseys. Remember the Phoenix All-Star Weekend and those jerseys? Those I just... They just like are emblazoned into my head, and I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and you know, we just had Shack Night on uh, uh, last Tuesday, yep. and just brought it just sort of flooded back all of those memories of how cool those teams were. I had all the stuff. I had the Magic starter hat. Wow. I had the Shack jersey. I had the Penny shoes. Um, I th- th- those were they, they were like rock stars in the mid nineties, and them and the Hornets were the two teams that everybody across the country. Loved personally just because of the colors and the gear, right? I was yes. six years old, but Shaq and Penny and Blue Chips and that whole time was special. So I'll go back to just that 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 Phoenix All Star Weekend and those jerseys. I think still think the coolest uh, All Star jerseys ever. As much as I loved back in the day, um, the NBA allowing the players to wear their normal jerseys that they wear throughout the season. Those jerseys that they were creative with, especially the ones in Phoenix. Uh, forever blazing my mind as well. I love those jerseys. Um, Jake Chapman with us. He's the radio play-by-play voice of the Orlando Magic. So this year's team, they're currently 30-25 and 25 this season, and they're in the play-in bracket if the season ended today. But they aren't far off from teams such as New York or Philadelphia or Indiana who are in those four, fifth, and sixth seeds. And Orlando, if they're able – to make a push this second half of the year, they may be able to avoid that play-in and get into the playoffs outright. What's been your assessment of the Orlando Magic in the first half of the year? Yeah, I think, you know, I think you figure you're at a schedule, especially with the injuries, with how well Paolo is obviously playing. Franz now in year three. I feel like you have a really good base. Jalen has taken a big step this year as well, Jalen Suggs. Um, so I think, you know, if you had asked me before the season started, all-star break at 30 and 25 and in the top 10 in the Eastern Conference, or at the very least five games above 500, right. if you had told me that regardless of where you're seated, um, that's a win. And so, and, and you've obviously dealt with injury issues so far this year. So I look at some of those teams ahead of us and I go, okay, injuries to Philly, injuries to New York, right. Milwaukee's kind of been sort of iffy. Um, we have played well in one season series, or at least are up in season series with Indian, uh, Indiana and New York. Right. Um, we won the season series with New York over the course of the last few days. So I think like it's, it's all there in front of you and it is a mad dash coming out of the all-star race. We've got 27 games left. It's going to go fast. So, um, to be rested, to be healthy as we are right now, I think we're in a pretty good spot to maybe make a charge. You know, at the beginning of the year, I think playing was sort of the realistic goal. And now I think you're in a situation here where, I mean, that would be an absolute win if you could secure a first-round playoff series, get into that top six. Um, that's, I think, the goal from here on out, and, and it's very attainable. Absolutely. And this is where I'm looking at 
their schedule for the second half of the season. And, I mean, you'll have your tough matchups. I mean, of course, they'll play the Clippers. You also have a game against the Bucks. You open up the second half of the season against the Cavs, and that's going to be a tough out. But you do have two games against teams like Detroit. You have two games against teams like Charlotte. You got a game against the Grizzlies. You got a game against Portland. If Am I wrong to say if this team stays healthy, that second half of the schedule isn't as tough as maybe few would make it out to be? No, and it, it, if you go by the numbers, if you look at Tankathon, it's technically the easiest remaining schedule right. just when you cobble the win percentages of, uh, of the 27 remaining games. You're right. There's games against Detroit. There's a couple against Charlotte and Washington. Um, Toronto has not necessarily lit the world on no. fire. They look a little bit they, – they just look like they're kind of retooling, and so you never know what that's going to look like the rest of the year. Absolutely. And, and this is the big kicker. There's an eight-game homestand the back half of March coming up here in about wow. three weeks. Um, and this team is a – and a lot of times young teams are. This team is substantially better at home than they are out on the road. Um, I think – I don't have it in front of me. It's an 18-7 and seven home record right now, maybe 17-7 and seven, wow. uh, in the first half of the season. So we've been much better in the friendly confines of Kia Center. And an eight-game homestand in March heading into the playoff push when everybody's kind of banged up. Um, and, 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 and sort of, you know, you've got teams already at that point making plans for the off season right. because there's only a few weeks left. That could absolutely be a big boost. You're going to there's some tough teams. That's when the Western conference, the, you know, the Clippers come in and teams like that. But, um, you can certainly make some, uh, make some headway as far as standings go in, in that eight game homestead. Jake Chapman, our guest, he's the radio play by play voice for the Orlando magic. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Chapman. OM. So, Paulo Bancaro playing the All-Star game tonight. We expect him to dazzle in this exhibition game. However, what do you want to see from him in particular the second half of this season for the Orlando Magic? Yeah, that's, you know, he's been so interesting these past couple of weeks because the scoring's been down, but the assists have been up. Right. And that, if you watch, is largely because teams are sending doubles at him at a much higher frequency than they ever have. So, I've been just blown away with, you know, we knew he could score, but not, but what happens when you're at the top of the scouting report year two, it's so much harder to get better after a rookie of the year campaign. And he's done that. He's right. scoring at a much more efficient rate, but now coming off the ball, when he sees that double coming, it's coming from all different places. You know, there are times where Oklahoma city was sending it from everywhere. They're a really good defensive team. They've got all kinds of guys who play passing lanes like Shigildris Alexander and um, Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren, obviously, they're just really solid defensively. And they stymied us uh, in that game. And that was a game where, you know, you weren't knocking down threes from the perimeter. The turnovers got going. But now with with relative health, having Gary Harris on the floor and Jalen consistently and Jonathan Isaac in the fourth quarter to, to defend and all of his teammates kind of taking the pressure off him, he has, I think, really grown by leaps and bounds. Um, of recognizing where those doubles are coming from, picking his spots, knowing when he should raise up for the long two or attack the bucket. He's just gotten so much smarter over the course of the season. I think the sky's the limit. Tonight, I don't know what to expect. It's the all-star game. You never know. Uh, And he's been carrying a very big load on his shoulder. He he made no bones about it. He said, I hit the rookie wall last year right around this time. And, you know, that's not uncommon. But I think he's done a really good job of pacing himself this year. And he's really gotten better as the year's gone on, and that's um, that's pretty rare. He's, he is something special. But the passing, that's what I've been most most impressed with these last couple of weeks is his assist numbers um, and recognizing how teams are defending him and then attacking that. When we talk about this Orlando Magic team, of course we're always going to talk about the young duo in Paulo and Franz Wagner. However, Jalen Suggs has been having a very strong year for this Orlando Magic team and definitely is a piece um, in their rebuild and moving forward, that's definitely going to be important for them. Just talk about his play this season. Yeah, it's really been it's it's been a huge jump. That year three jump. I don't you know you a lot of times after two years of the offensive production and the turnovers that you see from guys, you go okay, like you're going to have to limit your role and you're going to have to really specialize in one or two things. I think he's done that a little bit, but also like he's just gotten smarter at like okay, what's my role. So, right. and in year one, that was like wide open. Uh, I mean, we didn't have Paulo in year one with Jalen. Right. Um, and he was the higher draft pick compared to Franz, right? So 
that you know kind of understanding okay i'm not a lead guard i i'm going to be a four spacer i'm going to knock down threes when they're open but i'm not going to attack the bucket like i did in year one and two um he has kind of settled into that role on on, on offense it's Paolo and Franz's show, and they're going to create all of the mismatches, and they're going to create that inside-out action. I just got to stand here and spot up and knock down right. open threes, and yes. he's been able to do that. And that, and there's still very, very much a role in modern NBA offenses for guys who do that. He's a three and D guard, but he is so much more than that because of what he does defensively. I mean, this dude can absolutely wreck offensive sets, um, deflections, and playing passing lanes, and just being a menace on the ball at the point of attack, fighting over screens and kind of using that football mentality. When he's locked in, he's a top five on ball guard defender in this league. Um, So he, you know, that's what he's sort of locked in and focused on. And the results have been, you know, you're one of the best defenses in the league and he is right at the middle of all of that. So I think it's, you know, it takes time with guards. I think, especially with the ball in your hand, making decisions, not turning the ball over. That stuff will come. He's going to have to like wear that back into his game. Right. But what he did over the offseason was he just stripped down. He said, this is my role on the team, and I'm going to be really good at those two things, knocking down open shots and just being a pest at the other end of the floor. And he's done both very well this year. A couple more for the radio play-by-play voice of the Orlando Magic, Jake Chapman. So Jonathan Isaac seems to have really made his mark on the defensive end as well along with Jalen Suggs, but to hear Stan Van Gundy on a TNT broadcast say that Jonathan Isaac may be the best defender in the NBA. Can you just speak on Jonathan Isaac and his play this season for the Magic? Yeah, I mean, he's been the key to everything. Like, if you just look, you know, he plays about 15 minutes a night, and we're and you're starting to build on that. Right now, what Coach Mosley's been doing is trying to save him throughout the game and right. then just play him like the whole fourth quarter. Right. Um, and it's working, and it's because of how versatile he is. One night, he's picking up Jalen Brunson, shutting him down. Next night, he's picking up Giannis, shutting him down. Luka, he plays the best players in the league, whether they're 6'4 or 7 foot, better than just about anybody does. Absolutely. And so now it's just a matter of having him on the floor. Um, he's so smart. That's part of it. He's still, even with all of the injuries and everything he's been to, uh, been through, probably better at with his size, moving his feet on the perimeter, fighting over a pick and roll, or you know, keeping a guard in front of him. I mean, in today's NBA, you can't do anything. You can't right. hold them right. You right. Can't any contact, and this dude's just so good at it. He is. Um, he. J- you just don't see guys who are that big and that long who move like he does. Right. And um, and now with all everything he's been through and, you know, he, he is a veteran, he understands yes. where, where everything's coming from and he, and he can diagnose a play as it's coming and a scouting report before the game better than anybody else on the team. So, um, Sands, you know, first off, far be it for anybody to question Stan Van Gundy on defense, <laughs> right? We right. know that that guy knows that, Absolutely. um, but he's right. It's just a matter of, of, of keeping him on the floor now, but. Part of that, too, is I think he's gaining confidence in his body again and in being able to do things like play back-to-backs and, okay, we're going to push to 25 minutes a night. He's just been through so much that part of it, um, that hurdle that he's had to get over, is just the mental, like, can I trust my body to torque like that, right, to plant right. here and, and go up and block that shot. Um, and as that's grown, I think you've just seen him take off defensively. I mean, he, he's, the best, he's the best defender in the league if you look at defensive rating and you limit it to like 14 minutes a night, you know, as long as you have a guy who's playing a consistent role and that's what J.I. is doing right now. um, Nobody, the metrics certainly don't uh, favor anybody else. And the eye test absolutely favors J.I. over just about anybody else in the league. He's not going to win DPOI because of that, because he's not playing enough. Right. But, but he certainly should be in the conversation of the best defenders in the league. Final one for the radio play-by-play voice for the Orlando Magic, Jake Chapman. As he joins the program, you can follow him on Twitter at Jake Chapman OM. So we had Shaquille O'Neal. He got his jersey retired, the first member of the Orlando Magic to have his jersey number retired. If the Orlando Magic were to come to you and say the second player who should have their jersey number retired by the Orlando Magic is, what would be your response? Oh, man, it's a tough one. I just think there's so many options. I think you heard Shaq talk about Nick Anderson, and he he's done so much for the franchise. He's one of my favorites. He's, you know, 
ever since I've been involved with the franchise, Nick's been around, and every day he shows up with a smile on his face, and he's he's done. Maybe you could argue more for the franchise than anybody because he's been there from the get go, and he's still involved in in that role as the ambassador and television for Bally. Um, so I think Nick is up there. I think you know if you told me Penny or T Mac. Um, you're certainly not going to get an argument. I'll, I'll, I'll say one of those three okay. would be my answer. I think um, T-Mac is probably more beloved than anybody else. Okay. Uh, you know, he with the media, he was so great. There was, you know, even when he left, people just remembered that T-Mac era so fondly. Right. Um, and he is still such a good guy, and he's so involved and loves basketball so much. And then the Penny thing, like, man, I – you should have heard the building react when Penny, when they realized that Penny was there. Oh, and man. When Penny and Jack were on stage together, it was maybe the most special part. Right. Penny telling him how he made him great, just watching him. Um, and then obviously because of, you know, the way it all ended with Jack and Penny and, um, and all of that stuff, burying that hatchet was really special. So I think any of those three would be good. Um, and we'll see. Like, I, you know, it's not going to be another 35 years before we retire right. a number, right. I don't think. Um, but I think it was, you know, you don't want to have it be like an avalanche. Like, okay, we're going to do it again exactly. next year at yeah. the beginning of the season. You want to make right. sure it's still special. So we'll let it marinate for a little while. That's Jake Chapman. He's the radio play-by-play voice for the Orlando Magic. Excited to hear him throughout the second half of the regular season as we will be simulcasting a few of the Orlando Magic games here on 1010XL. Jake, thank you so much and good luck to you and the Orlando Magic the second half of the year. Anytime. Appreciate it. Jake Chapman. Thanks for joining the program. Once we come back, of course, we got to talk Lakers basketball. You can think a kid from L.A. is not going to talk Lakers basketball here. Mike Tridell, the sideline reporter for the Los Angeles Lakers, will talk about the Lakers' second half of the year. And can they do it again? Can they go from a play-in team to a team that's one round away from making the NBA Finals? Mike Tridell, our guest on Open Gym. Take your shot. It's Open Gym on 1010XL. It's an All-Star Sunday edition of the Open Gym. RJ Saunders here with you. So glad you are with us. Dropping gems on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Mike Tridell, the Los Angeles Lakers sideline reporter. You can follow him at Lakers Reporter on Twitter. And he's so kind enough to give us a few minutes here on the program. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, man. What's happening? Well, it is All-Star Sunday, and this is one of the most wonderful times of the year when it comes to the NBA season, so can't complain on that front. And speaking of All-Star, before we ask you about the Lakers team this season, can you give us your favorite Lakers All-Star moment? Oh, man. Lakers All-Star moment. I I suppose I'll just go to Kobe winning the slam dunk contest. Okay. Um, That was was young Kobe, you know, brash, number eight. Um, I, I know that, you know, the dunks, even Kobe would acknowledge weren't necessarily what, what Vince Carter um, right. would later do, but you know, but that was, I just remember like being able to see young Kobe out there like that was pretty awesome. Absolutely. That performance was when the all-star game was held in Gund arena in Cleveland, Ohio in 1997. And that was a phenomenal all-star game as a whole. For those of you who remember, because that's where the league would present their 50 greatest players of all time. However, Kobe Bryant had quite the showcase during that all-star break. I mean, he became the youngest slam dunk champion ever at 18 years old. And that came after scoring 31 points in the rookie challenge. So without question, an amazing moment in Lakers all-star history. All right, let's get to this year's Lakers team. They're currently 30 and 26 and they're ninth in the West. It's been a rough year for Los Angeles. They've had a boatload of injuries. Darvin Ham's been playing with the lineup here and there. However, they did finish the first half of the year off strong, going 6-1 and one in their last seven games. Mike, give us your assessment of the Lakers in the first half of the regular season. Well, I think the Lakers have gotten to a very good place. Uh, it may have taken them a little bit too long. You know, I think that had they optimized the lineups and the rotations, and really just by playing bigger earlier, and that would have been either starting Rui Hachimura um, or starting Jared Vanderbilt right. over Torian Prince. Um, I think that could have led to more wins. Okay. Uh, but the fact that they're, you know, four games over 500 and playing good basketball and 
you know, have a chance to be mostly healthy um, after the break, even acknowledging that Vanderbilt and Vincent are, you know, two players that are both good players and they would like to have back that right. are still going to be out for a little bit. Um, I think that they're in, in decent shape overall uh, and certainly can, you know, can compete with and beat any team um, on any given night. Did the Lakers make the right decision, in your opinion, by standing pat at the trade deadline? Definitely. Uh, there, I think that, you know, the way Rob Palenka described it was just that you can't buy a house that's not for sale. And that's, right. I think that both, that makes sense. But on the, on the second side of that, you know, the Lakers had, they were able to, to get a house with, uh, for a extremely discounted price in Spencer Dinwiddie, yes. where they didn't have to give anything up. Um, right. They just signed him into the, the 15th roster spot uh, that they had been keeping, which I thought was excellent. So, you know, that to me, that's where you have to give credit uh, to the front office and, and that's part of what helps by just being the Lakers and having players want to come to you. But to get Dinwiddie for essentially nothing uh, to me was an excellent move and much better than sending out good players and future picks for um, something that wasn't necessarily a slam dunk. You know, quite a few Los Angeles Lakers fans, I feel, had become fed up with D'Angelo Russell. He had hit a cold streak there for a stretch of the first half of the regular season. So the rumors started swirling that he could be a name that could be moved, even though he had been brought to the Lakers just a season ago. However, he completely flips the switch and becomes phenomenal for the Los Angeles Lakers and is one of the key reasons why the Lakers finished 6-1 and one in their last seven games before heading to the break. So how integral is D'Angelo Russell going to be for the Lakers in the second half of the year? I always think that D'Angelo Russell is a better player than probably the reputation um, of D'Angelo Russell. And the Lakers have seen the benefits of that right. um, for the last couple of months. And he really did have the down December. I mean, he was, it was rough for him. It just shots weren't going in confidence necessarily wasn't at the same place as it typically is. And you know, he just wasn't playing his best basketball um, for a variety of reasons. And at a certain point, I think two things happened. One, he just said, you know, screw it. Like, yes. I'm, I'm just going to play. I'm going to be me. I'm going to be aggressive. Right. And then he also met with Darvin Ham, and they had some discussions just about, like, what he was seeing, uh, what wasn't working for him, what he didn't, what he thought was working for the team and what wasn't. And once that got figured out from a mental standpoint, then you got to see the skills of D'Angelo Russell. Right. And he can shoot. He can pass. He can dribble. Like, he's got – real basketball skills there's a reason he was the number two overall pick so uh, those once once he was able to kind of clear the mental um, I think the physical has come along pretty easily absolutely in 51 games played D'Angelo Russell currently averaging 17 and a half points to go along with six assists per game for the purple and gold in the win against Utah he had 11 points nine rebounds and 17 assists in a 138-122 win over the Jazz. How do I know all this? Because he's on my fantasy team, so I have to remember these things. <laughs> but let's go to his teammate really quick, Anthony Davis. Has this been the best season he's had in a Laker uniform, in your opinion? Uh, AD, to me, has always been great. Uh, I mean, the Lakers won a ridiculous number of games the first year that they got him and they won the NBA title. Yes. And Anthony Davis was terrific the whole time. Um, I mean, he's had stretches of every season where he's had this kind of dominance. I think the, I think the exceptional thing this year is that AD has just managed to stay um, healthy and, and for all, or at least while he hasn't been healthy, he's been finding out ways to still play through the minor injuries that in the past sometimes would cost him a week or two and therefore affect his rhythm. So AD is a little bit like Russell in the sense that he has so many basketball skills that he just sort of needs to be on the floor for them to come out. Where he's different from Russell is that he's awesome defensively every night. Period. Absolutely. Like no matter what, he's always going to be there. So and like AD to me is – it's hard to think of sometimes like the Lakers as being underrated, but I think in the context of having LeBron there, um, AD has become underrated for what he's done the last couple of years. And – you know, this year specifically, I don't, I don't know that there are five players that are better than AD, like just in terms of what, who would be on my all-NBA first team. Right. When you consider not just his defensive dominance, I think he's the best defensive player in the league. If you want to argue me that he's two or three, I think you're wrong, but we can at least have that discussion. Right. If, if you're not saying he's top three, then I don't even want to talk to you. You know, I, I just don't <laughs> think, you're, I just don't think right. that you're watching the game as much um, in that context. So, no, I mean, AD has been just phenomenal, and I, I think that that's one of the um, – the bigger storylines of the season. Mike Tradell, our guest, he's the Lakers sideline reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at Lakers reporter. So outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who's a guy 
on this roster that you feel needs to have a big second half of the year for the Lakers to continue having the success they're having currently? Yeah, I mean, I think that you can kind of take your pick. Um, you know, LeBron and AD being that good is, is, one, is one part of it. We already touched on D'Angelo Russell, so I think it's important to mention Austin Reeves, uh, who yes. has been much better in this new alignment. Um, but, you know, Austin's also pretty consistent once you kind of figure out what the lineups are around him. So I guess my answer would actually be LeBron James. Oh. And I think LeBron can go up a level um, now that there, are, that there are just fewer games to go. He can, you know, he knows what he can get out of his body building up to the playoffs. And I think we're actually going to see an even better LeBron James. And he continues to defy, I mean, all logic. And I mean, he and Father Time have to be beefing at this point because Father Time hasn't seen the gain a step on LeBron James. Many players who have gotten into their 21st season in the NBA have not cracked over double digits in said 21st year. Not only has he cracked double digits, he's averaging over 20 points per contest. How would you define LeBron James in his 21st season in the NBA? No, I mean, look, there's no real superlative that you can, that you can say uh, that he hasn't gotten and that he hasn't earned. That he, it's been absolutely incredible that he's able to play at this, at this rate in year 21. Never right. happened before. Um, I, I cited this even a couple of years ago. I was looking at up some of the stats and just to try to find some relativity to other players. And, you know, Dirk Nowitzki and Kevin Garnett, two all-time greats, averaged like, you know, seven points, right. you know, in their, in their, in their season. So right. it's just a totally, totally different, totally unprecedented thing that LeBron's doing. Um, what, what I think could happen to benefit LeBron is just that people recognize uh, that even though he looks this incredible all the time, you know, he shouldn't necessarily have to be doing as much all right. the time in every game as he's doing. Right. And, you know, if, if guys can pick up the slack in the way that Anthony Davis does, sometimes I think that the role players, you know, could take their energy up even more than nights where LeBron, you know, might be at 80% instead of 100%. And that to me is, is just like sometimes when LeBron is not his complete best, you know, say it's like a – yeah, a back-to-back. He didn't play this one at Utah, but that kind of a game. Right. That's where the other players have to say, "Hey, like LeBron, you you still be you, but like I got you. I'm I'm taking my game up another level. Um, to just to kind of at least understand and recognize a little bit what it is to be playing in year 21." Mike Trudell, our guest. He's a Lakers sideline reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at Lakers Reporter. A couple more questions for you before we get you out of here, Mike. Can the Lakers do this again? Last season, they made their trades, made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, making the playoffs via the play-in game. And if the playoffs started today, they would be in ninth place and, again, would have to make the playoffs via the play-in games. Can they make another deep run in the playoffs if that's the route in which they have to go? I mean, they can. They, they can. Like, they've got enough talent. Uh, they have the pride in AD. They've right. got good enough role players. It's, it's just that the, the path is going to be more difficult as they're once again either playing out of the plan or, you know, if they exert the type of energy that it's going to require to get up to the sixth seed. And it's also just thinking about how good the Western Conference is and how talented the NBA is. Right. But they absolutely can. Um, it just I think it would have been easier had they figured things out earlier in the year. Right. And then they were able to, you know, to have home court or to at least take the foot off the pedal a little bit for the last month and change of the season. I think that would have helped. And that's where they would have wanted to get to before the season started. They didn't get that done, but you know, look, now they've got enough talent though to make a push. And, you know, I if I'm one of those top four seeds, I'm not gonna be super excited about having to play the Lakers in round one. Final one for Mike Trudell. He's the Lakers sideline reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at Lakers reporter. All right. So you said your favorite moment starting out this interview, your favorite Lakers all-star moment was Kobe Bryant winning the dunk contest in 1997 in Cleveland. Fast forward a few years. We've unfortunately lost Kobe and it still hurts to this very day that he is no longer with us. And just a few days ago, the Los Angeles Lakers unveiled their statue in which they now have outside of Crypto.com Arena for the Black Mamba. You were there, as well as his lovely wife, Vanessa. Phil Jackson shared a couple of words. Pal Gasol was also there, as well as a myriad of other Lakers who had either played with, coached, or drafted. Kobe Bryant, as Jerry West, also made an appearance. So what were your thoughts on the Kobe statue ceremony? And while I have you, do you have a favorite Kobe story that you can share with us? 
Well, the statute ceremony, you know, I think the first thing you have to acknowledge, it's just still emotional and, and sad. And you can't help it have that be right. a part of the experience. But, you know, then I think what you try to focus on is just this incredible legacy that he left. And in, in that, like the Lakers, one thing that they're great at is knowing how to meet these types of moments. Uh, they they just do it better than anybody else. Absolutely. You know, Bus and, and it's Linda Rambis and organizing things. And, you know, I, that I thought was just tremendous. Um, the tribute that they paid for him, I think the statue looks great. So nothing but rave reviews on all that for me. Um, I'll, I'll give you like the, the 10 second version of my favorite Kobe moment. Gotcha. Um, I, for, for me personally, um, Kobe noticed that there was no like Thanksgiving party organized when we were in Detroit one year, I, I want to say it was 2013. And okay. so he, he missed his own money. He said, no, this is going to happen. We're going to do a big, we're going to do a party for the team in one of the conference rooms. Um, in, in like one of the ballroom areas right. and in doing so we got, you know, there's food everywhere. There's bars, there's, there's a football to throw back and forth and there's a ping pong table. And so a lot of the players are playing ping pong. I end up uh, playing a couple of the players, <laughs> beating one of them. Ooh. And Kobe's watching and talking trash to the player that I'm beating. Like, Hey man, really? You're going to lose the reporter. <laughs> so I said, I said, well, Kobe, you want some, you know, you want some of this next? And he's, he's like, I do. I'm like, okay, well, uh, oh, oh, <laughs> Uh, but you know, it turned out he hadn't played a ton of ping pong right. and I had, I, you know, I've got a ping pong, like I'm pretty good. Right. And I end up, I end up uh, playing him and beating him quite. And wow. he it just, just being able to compete with him though. And he, you know, he's not like, he was talking a little bit of trash, but more to himself when he would make mistakes, but he was, he was learning point to point. You know, sometimes if you just start playing ping pong with somebody in a bar or whatever, you know, they're just kind of hitting it back and forth, and somebody wins, and then you walk away. Yeah. And Kobe was uh, at first, I'm hitting all to his uh, his backhand and noticing that he's not as good as his backhand, and, and he had just and he moves his body over to the left further, you know, because he can still reach the other side of the table. Right. And he's, he's making these little micro adjustments. And um, I heard after the two games got over, he was just like, "Good game," you know. He wasn't. It's not, it's not like he really cared that he lost to me. He just more cared that he lost, period. Right. Um, and he told his security guy, like, hey, we, we're getting a ping pong table. You know, like, find out, wow. order one up, because yeah. I'm not trying to lose people uh, in this anymore. So it just got – it was a little window into Kobe, the competitor, and, and that's my that was my favorite Kobe moment. He's gone, but certainly not forgotten, as the Mamba mentality continues to live within all of us. And this interview has been certainly special for me, being a Lakers fan – and a kid from L.A., the man in which I am talking to has been a guy who has voiced my teenage years going into adulthood, and that is Mike Tradell, the Lakers sideline reporter. You can follow him on Twitter, at Lakers Reporter. Mike, thanks so much for a couple moments of your time, and best of luck to not only you, but the L.A. Lakers as they make a push this second half of the year. All right, man, nicely done on the interview. It's good to talk to you, and uh, we'll talk to you sometime soon. Absolutely. When we come back, we'll put a bow on All-Star Sunday. This is the Open Gym on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish. And he's listening to the Nimnik Outdoor Show. With tips and stories. Presented by Duck Duck Rooter Plumbing and Septic Services. Every Saturday morning, 7 to 10. On 1010XL. Hey, this is David here with Royal Pest Services. Do you have that room in the house that is just too cold in the winter and just too hot in the summer? To learn about our pest-rated insulation, visit royalpestservices.com or call 886-2847. Get Gators play-by-play on 1010XL. Brought to you by Farah & Farah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Renewal by Anderson, the official window and door replacement partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If your ride is making strange noises, don't wait and make it worse. Come to Action Transmission on Merrill Road. My expert technicians can diagnose the problem and likely fix it fast. Experience the difference at Action Transmission on Merrill Road. 1010XL is presented by Farrah & Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. Back to the action on Open Gym on 1010XL. This is my theme song, baby. I'm gonna dunk it. One one of these days. Just lower the goal. I'm just so excited that the NBA is speaking with NBC. I mean, one of the more iconic uh 
theme songs in sports history. Um, if you ask me, I absolutely love that theme song, and hopefully the uh, NBC will be able to play that theme song. Don't know if it's going to have the same feel. I know we've been talking about that for for the last two shows, but hopefully um, the NBA on NBC is able to come back. Um, hopefully this All-Star game is, is better um, than – what we feel it can be. I, I don't want to see Anthony Edwards who said last night that he's going to be um trying to shoot jumpers with his left hand. Uh, uh, I don't want to see that. Shoot shoot left hand jumpers on your own time. I, I want to see I want to see a great basketball game. As Kobe Bryant said, the best pickup game in the world. Before we leave you, I did want to finish that story of the 2003 All-Star Game in Atlanta. So Jordan hits that shot over Sean Marion to give the East a two-point lead. I believe the score was 138-136 at that point. Kobe Bryant gets fouled on a three. And this is Steve Francis recollecting the story. Kobe gets fouled on a three, goes to the line for three free throws. So either go to double overtime or Kobe can miss two out of three or miss all three. Steve Francis says, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas comes to him and tells him to tell Kobe, miss the free throws so that Jordan can have a farewell to the NBA in his final All-Star game. And he won the All-Star game. And that moment where he hit the fadeaway is the moment of the All-Star game. And in true Kobe fashion, Kobe looks at Steve Francis and Steve Francis said, yeah, he wasn't missing those free throws. He actually went two out of three. He missed the second free throw, but makes the third free throw and sends the game in the double overtime in the East uh, ends up being defeated by the Western Conference. Kevin Garnett was the MVP of that contest. And that's, that's one of my favorite moments in NBA All-Star Game history. Um, however, how can you talk about the NBA All-Star Game and not talk about Vince Carter in Oakland in 2000, putting his arm in the rim, a reverse 360, uh, two-handed, jumping from the free throw line. One of the greatest NBA dunk contest performances we have seen ever. And hopefully we're able to see a, a competitive all-star game. Going to challenge LeBron here to let these guys know you will get embarrassed by me personally if you do not come to play in this all-star game and that's going to do it for us in the open gym for casey dobson i am rj saunders we open the gym next week here on 1010xl and 92.5 fm